It is the little things that can make a lesson for us that maybe a cookie can remind us today that God keeps promises. And we ought to also be people who keep promises. And God also promises that when we go to his word, it will not come back to us empty. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And if you were here last week, yep, this is the same passage we were in last week. But that's because God's word is fresh to us every day. There are new things that God speaks to us by the power of the Holy Spirit when we come to the word, when we study it closely, when we get it into our heads and into our hearts. So in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, as we come to God's word today, we remember one of God's promises, which is that when we turn to the word, it will not go back to us empty. It will not be void, but rather that God will continue to speak. And this, this week and last week, um, out of gratitude, I share some uh, sabbatical stories in part. I'm grateful for the gift that you have given me, and it's fun maybe to paint a little bit of the picture of what this uh, looked like for our family, as well as it is a time of paying attention and of learning. And there's lessons that I think I've had refreshed in my own life. There's ones that I'm still working on, and it's my joy to share some of that with all of you. For some of those same lessons, you've already learned and gotten down pat, and we learn from each other. Maybe others are something that I haven't thought of that. We can work on that together. So in all of this, we come to God's word. We ask for God to speak to us through the word, which is why we always pray together before the reading of God's word. So before we read from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, let's pray. Jesus, we come to you knowing that you speak truth into our lives that you dwell with us when we dwell in your word, that by your word you renew us, and that you teach us about who you are. And Jesus, it's not, if this were not enough, you also come to us to tell the story of our redemption through your blood. This too, you tell us in your word. And Lord, in your wisdom, you give us things to think deeply about words to come back to, words that will always be fresh. And this is a part of the miracle that you have given us in the scriptures which are illumined by your Holy Spirit. So speak Holy Spirit to us today. Renew us and refresh us in your word for this week ahead, we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. This is one instance of many where Jesus talks about bringing our great need, the deepest desires and needs of our life to him, and finding the ways in which Jesus satisfies us. And in fact, that God does not satisfy us begrudgingly, but that it gives 
joy to God when we come to him with our deepest needs and when we find Jesus satisfying us. If you turn to the Sermon on the Mount a few chapters earlier, it's come to me all you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled, they will be satisfied, they will be given all that they search and hunger for. When we bring our great need before our great God, there is something transformational that happens. Sometimes God might transform what we think we need or reveal to us, this is the path you thought you were on. This is the driving question you thought was directing your life. And God maybe needs to edit a little bit what we're looking for. And when we align what we want with what God wants for us, transformation happens. Then we come to Jesus and we are satisfied. We come to Jesus when we are weary and we find rest. We come to Jesus with what our true great needs are and we find that he is the one who satisfies our need. So I invite you to continue to maybe ponder how would you fill in the blanks if the statement was just, come to me all you who are blank and I will give you blank. Come to me all you who are weary and I will give you rest, absolutely. Come to me all you who are frustrated and I will give you peace. Come to me all of you who are discouraged and defeated and I will give you encouragement. And it's not all bad. Come to me, all you who are excited, and I will give you direction. Come to me, all you who have a passion, and I will show you how to use it. Come to me, all you who want to make a difference in this world, and I'll show you how. We come to Jesus with all kinds of things. And as we get transformed of what our needs really are, and we understand ourselves better, we find satisfaction in God. Come to me, all you who are blank. How would you fill in that even this week? Because it might change week to week, month to month, year to year. And what do you think as you read scripture, how would Jesus come to satisfy the need that you have? Sometimes wants, sometimes desires, but ultimately needs. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are looking for transformation, and I will give it to you. Come to me, all you who are wondering if you still make a difference or not, and I will show you. There's two places that I want to share with you today, two places that were destinations for Caitlin and I during sabbatical. And one was Kentucky which uh, having driven through Kentucky once before earlier this year, I didn't think I would go back to Kentucky willingly, and yet God does have a sense of humor with where we end up. But for our 12th anniversary, Caitlin and I went, um, got an Airbnb in Bardstown, Kentucky, about a mile from their downtown, and just got to have a week, just the two of us. Um, the kids were on some farm in Indiana uh, with some trusted adults. We left them with my parents. And so this was our, our getaway trip. It's the second time in our time of having kids that we've gotten away, just the two of us. And so while we were in Bardstown, one thing that if you've been to Kentucky, I mean, what's in Kentucky? Slow drivers, 
That's, that's the first thing you notice, really, if you're me. Um, side story, I got to borrow my mom's Mustang for this trip, so I was really like, I'm going to blow your doors off once I get a chance. Okay, but aside from that, the two things that you find in Kentucky, horses and bourbon. It's kind of their thing. But one thing that Caitlin and I were able to do was we took a tour of a distillery while we were in Kentucky. I find it fascinating, and once again, for those, if that's maybe a danger zone for you, stay away. But just hear the analogy for what it is worth. Uh, one thing about going to, on the tour of the distillery, you know, everyone believes in their product and their process, this, that, and the other. But one thing that we kept hearing over and over and over again from anyone connected to the whole whiskey industry was, yeah, if you get a chance, the tour you really need to take is of the place where we make the barrels. Why would that matter so much? But that was consistently a connection. Yeah, if you get a chance, go to the place where they make the big barrels. Why would that matter? Well, here's what we learned. What you put into the barrel matters some. The, the grains that make up the recipe and all of that, they care about all of those things and there's very high standards. But ultimately, what you put in the barrel is all kind of similar stuff. But when you leave something to age and mature in the barrel, the character of the bourbon is formed and shaped by the barrel that it matures in. The character of the product is determined by the environment that it matures in. Is this not also true of life? Is your, your gifts, your God-given talents, the things that you've always just been good at, those matter. And yet, if we think about character and personality and who we are and how we show up in the world, the environment that you mature in will determine your character. Where are the places that we mature? Where do we grow? For many, it's a privilege and very fortunate that we could say in the home was an environment where we could grow and mature. But that's not actually true for everyone. For some, it's school. There's all kinds of different examples that we could come up with. For some, it's playing on that particular team or being a part of that particular musical ensemble. But as we think about this today, I would invite us to think about what kind of barrel would we, North Holland, long to be? What kind of environment would we long to be? And what would get determined in the character of us as a people by maturing in this environment? What you put in the barrel only matters so much, but great care and interest is taken in the barrel itself because that will determine its character and flavor. What kind of barrel would North Holland long to be? I think of a few ingredients that I think really matter. If you've ever been around someone who prays a lot, and I mean a lot, because it is just how they show up in the world, those people who are always praying, there is a certain aroma of their personality because there's something, a spiritual aroma to them for those who are always in prayer. That is a type of ingredient that I want in the barrel that I mature in. Some of us struggle to pray, to remember to pray at all. We need to be in an environment where we are around people who pray a lot because it comes naturally to them and they've, 
They've made it a discipline in their lives. We need those type of people in our barrel that we can mature from them and with them and that we give back to them. All of us bring something to this gathering. All of us bring something to this church, whether we're here in person or online. And what is it that we bring that allows someone else to mature and grow? And what benefit, what character are we marked with because of it? If we pay attention to what type of character, what do we value as an outcome? What would it look like to say, if somebody grew up in this church from birth till they graduated, what would their character, what would we long for them to be like? What do they hope, what do we hope someone would have gained from being in this environment? So don't start just with, oh, I hope they're successful or this, that, or the other. But what is their character that we're after? And if those things matter to us, if we value certain aspects of our character, how do we make sure that this is the type of environment where that outcome will happen? It's why we invest in certain things and care about certain elements of our life together as a church. Because there are outcomes, there are maturities that we hope for in all of us. Now maybe, let's not just think about young though. Let's think about if I were a part of this congregation for 10 years, how would it shape and form me as a follower of Jesus and as a person in the world? How would I be shaped and formed by this body in worship services, in the life that we share together as a church? What would change about me if I were in this environment? And if that's happening, if you can see that slow and steady evidence of it, then that's a good thing to be celebrated, protected, and built upon. And maybe if there's something missing, then we need to pay attention a little bit to, well, what's missing in the environment that we need to grow and mature? Your character will be determined by the environment that you mature in. We heard that touring a distillery, and I also read a lot of stuff like that while studying psychology. Your environment will determine things about your character, your flavor as a personality, your spiritual aroma. And so I come back to this place with a lot of gratitude for the ways in which I think life here together at North Holland does shape and form us. To be servant-hearted, to be mindful, to be people of prayer. And also, let's not take for granted that North Holland is a group that likes to have fun together that we can enjoy one another's company. These are things that I think mature in this environment as a church, whether it be Sunday morning or Tuesday at the crossing or all the Wednesday night activities throughout our whole life as a church. Even on exec and consistory, I think sometimes we have fun. What kind of environment would you hope for this year? If this was a make it or break it kind of year, what would you want to invest in and contribute to this barrel of North Holland to determine the character and maturity of those around you? What would you hope for as an outcome? And if that's your outcome, what would you invest into it to make this a place that makes that a reality? As I said last week, 
and as I'm just still kind of hooked on this phrase, if you need something to function, you will maintain it. If you love something, you will invest in it. If it just needs to function, nah, check in on it every now and then, make sure there's nothing really wrong. But if you love something, you will invest in it because you want its absolute best. What is the best that we long for? If we were to be labeled as the North Holland barrel, what's the character of what comes out of that barrel? Love your church and invest in it for the outcomes that you hope for. And it's not just what we invest, it's also what we receive. As we invest ourselves into something, we receive something back. But it's not transactional. I think it's relational and it's spiritual. The fabric of the church is going to be built on relationships. First and foremost, our relationships with Christ. But how would that shape and form us here for our life together? And then, if you take us out of this environment, who are we outside of church, outside of Sunday morning or Wednesday night? That's where we discover character. Who and how we act, who we are, how we act. What do we pray like? And what are our habits? This is the stuff of character. And our character is determined by the environment we mature in. There's something to strive for there. And there's things to celebrate there as well. Come to me, all you who long to see a generation of great character. And I'll show you a church where you can invest in that. Come to me, all you who are isolated, and I will give you an environment in which to grow. The other place that's very near and dear to my heart is Inspiration Hills Camp and Retreat Center in Inwood, Iowa. Now, if you heard hills and Iowa, and you're like, hey, I don't know about that. No, no, let me tell you, there are hills in Iowa. Inspiration Hills actually does have great hiking. If you want flat, just go to Illinois. Just ask Vandervins or Conovers. Inspiration Hills is the camp that Caitlin and I worked at when we were in college. It's where we got married. Jokingly at the time, we said, we'll spend enough time in the church throughout our lives, so let's get married at camp. And it's true enough. But we love that place. And we love the camps here. But there's a reason that we love camp, right? Whether it be Grace Adventures or Cran Hill or Geneva. There's something transformational that we can trace back to, say that place made a difference. That was an environment that shaped my character that I matured in. This is why camp keeps us coming back. We got to go back to Inspiration Hills to Chaplin for a week, spend time with some amazing college students who gave their summer to do that work. And uh, I would say just one thing I'd be remiss not to mention, Inspiration Hills has archery tag now. And it is the most fun I could imagine having. Because if you play that on Wednesday, you kind of know the person. Archery tag is just dodgeball, but with bow and arrows, with like a tennis ball on the end. And I used to always think things like the Hunger Games were a little far-fetched. Friends, there is nothing more fun than hunting children in the woods with a bow and arrow. <laughs> it's like, Graham, you're annoying. And you take out the kids who are maybe a little too big for their britches, too cool for school, and it's like, you're out. 
And you get humbled too, and it's like, I did not see her hiding behind that tree for 10 minutes. You find out who's patient and strategic. And it's a lot of good fun. So that was just an epic side quest of playing archery tag with a bunch of kids, having lots of fun with it. Wouldn't be a bad idea for us to have at least a little bit of that here. Archery tag was fun, but there's something, I don't know, perhaps deeper in my soul that Inspiration Hills was reminding me of. I will admit to you that over the last few years, last couple of years in particular, I'd started to wonder a particular question. Am I still making a difference? Am I still making a difference here in this place? And that's actually a fair question to ask. Because at any stage of life, we can ask, am I making a difference? God, am I being used in ways that bring glory to your kingdom, that, that connect people to you, Jesus? That's a fair question to ask. And it's one that if we say, maybe I could be doing better, how can I find a way to do that? And maybe if it's, no, we're on track, this is good, slow and patient, a long obedience in the same direction, this is good. But I wonder that type of question. That's a fair question. But here's the unfair question. And if we read back through the scriptures, if the devil has a particular skill set, it's twisting words, and it's blowing things out of proportion, and it's taking something that could have been good and turning it in on itself or against itself. Where I started was, am I still making a difference? But then I think the twisted version of that question, which is an unfair question, is, am I enough? Am I enough? Maybe you've wondered that too at an existential level. Am I enough? Here's why that's an unfair question. The simple answer to am I enough is no, of course not. Because no one of us was ever meant to be enough on our own. We do this life of faith together. No one person is ever meant to be enough. In fact, that wouldn't be healthy. Am I enough? That's not the right question. The right question, the fair question, the spiritual and discerning question is, am I making a difference in the ways that fit my gifts? Inspiration Hills was the best reminder I could have gotten, and this was our second to last week of sabbatical. I was brought down memory lane of a student that Caitlin and I had had for a few years at camp who we invested in and cared for. And he then invested in the lives of several others. And then, and then, and then, and then, to the point where the wilderness coordinator could trace their lineage back to who got them to come to camp, who inspired them. And they could trace it back to Caitlin and I from our summer there, which was so meaningful to think years ago, something made a difference in one student's life. And that that just gets handed down over and over and over again. It was refreshing to say, we made a difference in the life of Ben. We did not name our son after this crazy camp kid, but it's still a good name. And I wonder about making a difference as we think about one person's life being impacted. That it's refreshing to know that we're not enough on our own, we're not meant to be. Caitlin and I are not the only influence that Ben ever had. 
He had a family. He had a home church. He had college professors and mentors. He had musicians. He had all of these other forces. So we were never enough on our own because none of us are meant to be enough on our own. But could we still make a difference? Yes, absolutely. And to be reminded of that was one of the greatest finishing gifts to me in all of sabbatical. So I offer that question to you. But bring it to Jesus. Come to me, all you who want to make a difference. And I'll give you an opportunity. Come to me who want to make a difference on the world, and I'll show you how. And it's small and steady. Sometimes you get to climb a tree. Sometimes you have to sit on an acorn and wait for God to do the slow and patient growth. But do we long to make a difference? I hope at some level all of us want to make a difference. And when we do, that requires intentionality to make this environment the type of one where a difference is made. And it might be one relationship at a time. It might be one conversation at a time. But it takes time and diligence and I think patient urgency. Meaning patient, we can't rush God. And we can't rush what God is doing in someone's life. Have you ever watched someone who needs to learn a hard lesson? You can't rush that for them even if you wish you could. Patient urgency. To know that time matters. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. A patient urgency says, I need to make today count. I need this conversation to count. I need this moment to matter. And when I thought back about why camp is such a place where people are shaped in their character in just a few short days, it got me thinking through why that is. And here's a few things that I thought of about camp, about that particular environment in which people mature. And here's a few themes that come out. At camp, you spend a lot of time together. And if you've ever been a camp counselor, you will know there are times where it feels like a little bit too much time with your bunk group. But you spend intentional time together. You work together at common goals. You spend a lot of time in the Word. You also have a certain amount of playfulness at camp. We have fun together, even as we're doing all of these other more serious things. And at camp, you appreciate that time is short, so you have to make it count. You get one week with students, maybe two for the high school discipleship week. We spend time together. We work together at common goals. We spend time in the Word. We show up with a certain playfulness, and we appreciate that time is short and that we have to make it count. Those five things from camp are things that we can so easily bring here as well, and I think we do in all kinds of ways already. And those are things to build on. If you want to make a difference in someone's life, you have to spend time with them. You have to work together at some common goal. We need to spend time in the Word together. We need moments of playfulness. And we have to appreciate that every moment counts because time is short. Come to me, all you who long to make a difference, and I will show you how. This, I believe, is something that Jesus would speak to us because Jesus is the ultimate difference maker in our lives. And we get the good fortune 
of being able to be people who marked as Christ's own get to share the difference that the Lord has made in our lives. So let's make that part of our environment as a church. And don't be tempted to think you're not enough because you're not like them or you're not them. None of us were ever meant to be enough on our own, but rather in God's great faithfulness, we, along with the communion of saints, do in fact get to make a difference. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the ways in which North Holland impacts those who are here. Lord, for the investment that we give in your church always gives back to us in some good and often unexpected way. Thank you, Lord, that we can be an environment that can shape our character and have our own character shaped. Thank you, Lord, that we can be a place of intentionality and of making a difference one conversation at a time, one person at a time that we care for. Because if we just need to, if we just need something to function, we will maintain it. But if we love something, we will invest in it. Help us to love well and therefore invest well in the lives of the saints that you have put around us, both those who are younger than us and those who are older in us. For this is an environment together where we all mature to be more like you, Jesus, in the things that we learn from one another. So God, we come to you praying for your great faithfulness in the year ahead, in every moment that we make count, and in all of the memories that are made that say, yes, that was the church that made a difference in my life. Amen.